and dandy and handsome but now part two is going to be even more fun because we're going to talk about one of our favorite subjects to talk about and rant about and that is teaching one of my favorite things that you've said in your videos is and i'm quoting you if you learn narrowly you can play broadly well uh i i speak a second language i speak spanish and using it as an example in my first several months of Spanish class, we were taught a verb, uh, three verbs, and the lessons in Spanish were very narrow and very specific. It didn't embrace the art of Spanish, the conversation of Spanish, the sharing of thought or feeling in Spanish. It shared that there were three verbs, AR verbs, there are ER verbs, and there are IR verbs. So by the dint of an exceptionally narrow and sequential weekly learning of a language that I didn't understand at first. Finalmente, por todos los estudios que yo he hecho y por vivir con latinos y para participar en hablando y leyendo la, la, la lengua que yo estudiaba por los detalles, ahora yo puedo funcionar en esa manera casi sin pensar. But the point being is, is that through the narrow study of language, the writing, the speaking, the practicing, the mistakes, the allowing of mistakes, I developed my Spanish to this degree. I'm almost fluent, not quite, I'm almost fluent. I understand almost everybody. I do interviews in, in Latin countries. I do them without a translator now. I mean, I'm a New York born Jewish guy and I learned started learning Spanish when I was 35. I learned the particulars that are exceptionally hard to learn when there are a million options of learning. There's a popular ethic in base education, which I feel has greatly compromised and almost ended the possibility for base players to learn well. And the concept is broad. You learn a little of this, some of this, some of that. Here's jazz, here's blues, here's rock, here's funk. Here's using a pick, here's slap, here's tap, here's metal, here's Latin, here's Puerto Rican Latin, here's Argentinian uh, tango, here's this, that. I'm gonna teach you everything. The interesting thing is bass players generally function by knowing one or two things. If you look at sort of the overall gamut of bassists regarding let's say sideman status, most bass players play their thing and are successful at it. Then you get the Will Lees and the different guys that are able to adjust. But overwhelming reality, there are 
very little broad-based bass players, where in fact is really only a bass player, like a Billy Sheehan who does his thing, a McCartney who does his thing. Jeff, right. one of the things is, I mean, I know from being a commercial musician for 50 years, that audiences and in fact producers, record producers, are very uh, simplistic. You know, they say, let's get that guy, he's a great slapper. And, and you know, he's, it doesn't matter that the guy can play Bach, he's a great slapper. I don't want to know about the other thing, because they can only hold on to one thing at a time in their mind. And musicians should be aware of that, that when, they're, when they finally get to the point when, thanks to you, they've mastered the fundamentals, then they can say, well, how am I going to earn a living? Well, then, then they have to say, well, what am I the best at? You know, what is my unique selling point? And I mean, regardless of who you are, every musician has a unique selling point. And whether it's the fact that they're really good with coming up with sounds in the studio, or whether it's that they're a fantastic rhythm player. I mean, there was one of the greatest musicians I've ever known, a, a guy called J.J. Bell in London, who was just a ridiculously great rhythm player. No matter what your track was, he would make it sound unbelievably funky, because of what he did. And sometimes he played maybe one note per bar or two notes per bar, but it was, he, he said he always tried to play the minimum that was necessary to make the track work. So I'm just saying musicians should know that that, that thing of looking at being able to play 17 different styles doesn't always work to your advantage. I mean, for, for me, I was hired because, oh, you're the string guy. I, what's my brass writing? Chopped liver, you know, and, and that was, a, but, but they wanted to typecast me as the string guy. And then some people typecast me as, oh, you're the brass guy. We need some funky brass. You're the brass. What's my string writing? Chopped liver. You know, that was the whole point is that musicians should be aware that they're going to get typecast. So when they finally get to a point when they've got their technique together and their mastery of music, then they have to decide what what's the thing that they're going to offer. How's your book laid out? Just say a few words about your course. It's laid out in, in uh, basically sort of in the same stylistic area that, that violin etudes and exercises are laid out. One may notice that violinists all can play generally as a group way better than electric bass players can generally. The argument that people say is, and I know it's a stereotypical argument. Well, I heard this violinist, he can read anything, but he can't swing. It's not his job to swing. I know somebody, a piano, he can play anything at all. He plays stiff as a board. It's not his job to play loose. It's his job to play the part. And as a player, these people are far more accomplished than bass players. Hmm. generally are. I just happen to be a person unafraid of sharing what I feel are educational truths uh, in a community. And I do it out of love, incidentally, and love of truth and love of what I know is going to happen to musicians if they open to it. People tend to love their teachers more than they love music. I'd like to encourage people to stop that. So these books that I had written are laid out where you start with a whole note an E, going to an F, going to a G. And I have four pages of whole notes in E, F, and G, or three pages, I don't recall. 
then you go to the A string, then the D string, then the G string. So as a violinist, because I was trained in it, I was taught the most simplistic element. And in five years, I was into the Mendelssohn concertos. There's an ending to this that I feel that bass players haven't thought about. And this is what also gets me into sort of hot water, which I won't apologize for, that the educational system, the bass educational system, seems to be constructed upon teaching the things that are popular of the day, industry elements of the day. And by in giving classes in literally every single concept that when you teach slap or rock or blues in a class and charge money for it, that for the most part, the teachers are self-taught anyway. The idea is that when you provide a glut of topics, that is in such a broad way, you haven't provided a narrow. So I've been openly critical of a system. I tried with all of my heart to see people teaching differently. Why can't they teach like they teach and you teach like you teach? Okay. And I made huge efforts to not see anybody as criticizable for their approaches open to every possibility, but I failed. And I failed because a system, not a person, isn't providing, in my opinion, to the worldwide community in any school one can think of, and in most websites and teachers privately and camps and, and, and gatherings and clinics are not giving musicians the narrow, specific regard to everybody of the notes of music because uh, everybody if you're a slapper you still got a slap in g or a or b if you're a funker if you're a rocker you're still playing harmony so why go to school and pay the astonishingly insanely high tuitions to essentially choose for yourself what to be taught when a teacher ought to be saying this is what you're going to do this is how you're going to do it and you're going to do it every semester for four years and it's all based on uh, the books that i wrote out i think it's the best system forgive me of i think it's the only curriculum for electric basis from beginning to end that exists in music i think we also should look at a little bit of why the world is the way it is now i mean one of the things that makes me upset is that people are being taught incorrectly and therefore they're coming out as students thinking that they know what they're doing, but in fact, great gaps have been left out of their knowledge. I mean, for instance, you know, I believe in the analogy of having, you know, painting, you've got a, a, a palette of colors to choose from. Now they say, I only want to use purple. That's what I want to do. I want to be a purple player, but they don't understand that by having red, yellow, and blue, you can create purple. But if you don't have red, yellow, and blue, and you can only have purple, that's the only thing you know. I see all these young musicians, and they're really hot players, and they can burn on something. But, you know, ask them to play a standard, can't do it. Ask them to play something sensitively. You know, there's a, there's a very kind of high testosterone level in music today, where everybody's you know, really trying to cut everybody else like the old cutting contests in the 1940s, but it's way even worse.
But these are people who have learned one thing and they've learned to shred. That's what they're learning. And they learn from teachers who say, you want to learn to thread? Three easy lessons. Don't study that theory stuff. You don't need music theory. All you need to do is learn these little tricks, these little hacks. I hate that word, hacks, secrets. As soon as you hear hacks and secrets, you know that people are conning you. And so that's the sad thing is that musicians are coming out not being fully trained on the fundamentals. I studied when I started playing the guitar, which was very late in life. My dad had been a great admirer of Eddie Lang and had played with Joe Venuti, so he knew Eddie Lang's music really in, inside out. And so I got Eddie Lang's guitar book. And the thing that I, I thought is just fantastic about it is it's just fundamentals. It's all exactly what you're talking about. And in fact, if you take a peek at the book, you'll see that it must be very similar to yours. You know, this is a, this is this. This is what a scale is. This is what a triad is, why it's constructed, how it's good. I mean, I learned everything from that book right there. And I don't think I learned more than 10% more than was in that fundamentals book, because from that you could create anything. Radio Richard. One of the things I'd love you to talk about how you can take these fundamentals and stick them together for the kids out there to know how they can do that. Just take a couple of fundamental concepts and show how you could put it together on the bass to do something kind of hip. Well, I mean, I'll go with the Charlie Binakis principle that he uh, discovered when listening to Coltrane and McCoy Tyner. Binakis enthusiasts know about the double mambos. He would take a C scale, C, D, E, F, G, A, B flat, C. Right. Out of the scale, he extracted a C triad, C, E, G, and B flat, D, F. And in the scale, or in the two triads, the A is omitted. What he noticed is, is that Coltrane often soloed on chords in a chord change. So did McCoy Tyner. He would solo like a, what was it, passion dance. The beginning of his solo is entirely on F triad and E flat triad. Charlie caught this and wrote out a series of exercises for it. Nature of any musician wishing to shred or play whatever you want, I say is valid, 100%. I don't think there is anything in teaching that should interfere with anything that somebody wants to do as a musician. I know that's not what you said. I just want to clarify that if somebody has a, a philosophy and a, and a focus on playing, do it. 100% because, and this went back to this little thing, I think there's only two ways that we all learn how to play. Uh, being self-taught, which is entirely free and entirely based on one's own inspiration. Jimi Hendrix, uh, Billy Sheehan, every rock bass player, every slap bass player. The other way is being taught music. And being taught by Richard Niles or me or whomever that this is the theory element. And I, even I don't even use the word theory. Written music, theory encompasses a lot more than just the written notes and music. So when you do both, you've covered it all. There is nothing else in music to do. Go back to the caveman days, go back to the beginning of the 21st century, go back anywhere, and people are self-taught or taught music or they're not taught music and they're entirely self-taught. So my objection is in base education, when the things that are always, always been self-taught 
are now taught for pay and are part of a curriculum. And one of the reasons I believe that they say, and this is why I'm doing this little chat with you, I think it needs to be addressed. People don't agree with me, pay those classes. It's, 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 it's an informational thing I'm sharing here. Teachers say, well, you learn faster. You may have heard that yourself. I did. There is no need to learn music faster. What's the rush? When you are taught faster how to slap, one has denied themselves being in it to be sloppy and incapable, missing the rhythms and having spasmodic hand activities while trying to make some purposeful music out of it, because that is the path to improvement. The nature of removing bass players from the sloppy, gritty, hands-on, self-taught, listening to records, imitating it, and going bumpily up the curve to arrive to where all the teachers that teach these things have arrived to is denying students the reality of musical improvement, in my opinion. And hmm. that's why I'm sort of alone that bass education needs a redo. I think what you're saying is is relevant not just to base education, of course, it's it's relevant to all education. And, uh, you know, the song says you can't hurry love, and I believe that you can't hurry knowledge. You can't hurry knowing something correctly and knowing something completely. And one of the problems, and I'll be called an old fart for this, and I don't mind, one of the problems with younger people is that they think and when I was younger, I thought that I knew everything and that there was no, you know, once I learned something, that was it, man, you know, but it wasn't it. And one of the great uh, things that both you and I can tell people from our advanced age is that I'm still learning every single day. I'm learning something actually new. And I am learning something new because I have the attitude to, that I'm fascinated by it. I, I find it amazing what this guy I've never heard of is doing or what this female vocal group has, is doing. And, you know, I just think, wow. And then I, you know, I get my little pencil and I transcribe it. And, and now, now I know what they're doing. Ah, they're doing that. Okay, that's one more little color I can put on my palette. But everybody's in a hurry. This speed thing is really uh, counterproductive. They know that the audience wants to be told you can get this like that. You don't have to work for it. That's too much hard work. You don't need that. I'm going to give you these tricks and secrets. And that's the speed thing. And if anybody tells you they can teach you music in three lessons, no, they cannot. It's a lie if anyone tells you you can learn how to do anything quickly on an instrument. And it's a lie. The philosophy is flawed if it is shared that one requires lessons that one can learn on their own. And it's a lie, at least in the in the philosophical sense, that anybody can hurry learning. There's a bass thing with a metronome. I'm, the reason I'm anti-metronome is because bass players have made it a mandatory tool to the degree that just about every bass player uses one hmm. and because they believe that's what they should do. Hmm. When before metronome uh, enthusiasm became a thing, we have, looking at the 20th century, we had 80, 90 years of self-taught musicians playing in time. Yeah. But if practically an entire century of musicians were capable of finding time without a click, 
I'm going to share just the thought that bass players and teachers have not thought this through. Although, one of the things that drove me absolutely crazy in my first years in London uh, from 1975 on, uh, working with orchestras and overdubbing them on tracks, was the inability of the orchestral players to play with, with a drummer or with a click. Uh, I remember one very famous moment when I was uh, on, on a live gig and I had to say to the string section, excuse me, but this guy over here is Ian Thomas and he's a fantastic drummer and you're supposed to be playing to him. You're not supposed to be playing your own time. And that was a shock to them. They said, well, he's so loud. You know, how can we, how can we be expected to play with that? And I said, by listening to him. And by, you know, so, so I think the advantage, you know, musicians need to know how to play with other people, uh, but they also need to develop their own sense of, of time. Now, the other um, metronome thing, which I, I know you know, is Matheny's metronome exercise. Uh, when, I, when I first started, uh, when I first met him at Berkeley, he showed all of his students this little exercise with a metronome. He didn't, uh, it was just his thing. So he said, take the metronome and we're going to play quarter notes on four beats and you play quarter notes. I'm sure you know this. You play quarter notes on four beats for a couple of minutes. And eventually you kind of got, so you felt pretty good with it. Then he said, okay, now you're gonna play just behind the beat. And so you do that for a few minutes, playing not a 16th note behind, but just a, a, a fraction of a smidgen of a gnat's bollock behind the beat. And then you do the same thing ahead of the beat for a few minutes. Then you'd come back to playing the quarter notes on the beat. And I've got to say that exercise is really a good exercise. And, and you realized on the fourth time through, wow, I'm playing with that click so much better now. And Matheny explained that it's because it concentrated your mind as to where the hell the time was and, you, and you're subdividing. And another thing that uh, Steve Gadd said in one of his lesson, uh, uh, videos, which, and you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a weird geek of, of drums and I listen to drum lessons, but <laughs> Steve Gadd said, man, I, the whole answer is subdividing all the time. And that's what I'm doing. Always subdividing. And that's why, why I have the time that I have. So there's, there's advantages to it and disadvantages to it. Interesting. Well, I agree on the subdividing. I mentioned that word a lot when I write posts, my uh, issue with the, with the metronome use, Two things, a guy like Pat, who had taught that thing, had already gone through seven, eight years of pre-work trying to learn how to play. Yeah. And it's pretty much a given that he, or maybe Gad or whomever, at the sort of the, the formative years of learning, didn't play in time because they couldn't play in time. It was always the out of time regard. And then as they got better and better and better as self-taught musicians, Yeah as well as educated, they began to look at a click, and this is in the early days, this is decades and decades ago, so mm -hmm. evolution had just begun to regard the metronome as a viable device. But what had might not have been taken into consideration is that while one can learn to play with a metronome, I'm, I discovered that it isn't transferable over to live playing. Uh, the concept gets us to relate to a click 
going like this. But the minute we play with a real drummer, he's playing like this. And I think exactly what you're saying is so important because it's the difference between absolute time with a computer or something and human time. And this is what you're articulating perfectly there. See, people are using a click to prepare to play with a recording situation. Here's where the things get a little bit hard again. Most people are never going to get into a studio until people learn how to play the bass regarding music and harmony and notes and experience in the style. And then the, the use of click in terms of recording in the 70s when we did it, nobody prepared for it. Right. Did not go home and use a metronome so that he could play with this and his headphones on something. Nor I, nor Anthony Jackson, nor Steve Gadd, who we did session, nor the Breckers. I mean, you never saw these devices. What, and I'm just sharing this as a thought. People can do what they wish, but time is an internal thing. And playing with a click is easy if one can play. I'm trying to promote an idea that if you remove the metronome, like removing the slap class, like removing the pick class and leaving a musician alone to, forgive me, suck, which is what we all did and during our formative years, we would grow from our suckiosity <laughs> and grow from that to where we will arrive later, not sooner, because you can't rush learning. You can't put a metronome faster and faster to speed up your playing. That's a myth, too. you got to go slower. To get to the place where we're going to get, it takes longer. But once we get there, we're there for life. And I'm pretty confident that there are people watching this little chat who have been struggling with certain things in music for 20 years. And if you're struggling after 20 years, one year of good, uh, proper education would have solved that for you. That's proper education from Mr. Jeff Berlin. Jeff, it's been fantastic to talk to you. We're going to do another one of these. Um, and uh, I hope everybody's enjoyed part two. If you want part three, I can talk to this guy forever. So uh, let me know. Meanwhile, Jeff, thanks a lot. And p tell me quickly, plug your next gig quickly. Next gigs are Europe. Um, I'm not touring till then, but I'm here practicing. I'm, I'm walking the walk. Uh, I'm practicing daily. I'm transcribing daily. I have written 20, 25 new works for a new record. Nice. Um, I'm fully dedicated to this, and uh, that's what I'm doing. Okay, man. Everybody, Jeff Berlin, the man, the bass player, the wonderful fellow. Radio Richard. Radio Richard.